Let's pray. Father, we ask you to feed us today with your life-giving word and help us take it into our lives and allow it to strengthen us. Amen. Amen. I loved our prayer meeting this morning. I was sitting there just, we have a, a, a nine o'clock, there's a group of us that pray, sitting there just um, soaking in the Lord, and they pray my whole sermon. I thought, what? It has to be God. <laughs> so it was so encouraging. The title of my message this morning is, What Has God Got For Us To Do? My mother tells me how that as a 17-year-old, she vividly remembers on the 26th of May, 1940. Throughout the day, people gathered throughout New Zealand. They crammed into churches, community halls, school halls, anywhere suitable for a crowd to gather. Why? Why had farmers, farmhands, workers of all sorts gathered, parents, teenagers and children gathered together that day. It was because the country had been called to a day of prayer. For 400,000 young men, mainly from Britain, were trapped by the Germans on the beaches at Dunkirk, facing certain death and they needed a miracle. And people responded to the call of prayer. They prayed throughout the day for God to help and for these young men to be saved. Today, people all around us are headed for an eternity without God's presence and peace. They need us to pray. They need us to fast and for God to move and to help them come and find him. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says, God has placed eternity in everybody's hearts. I remember my 90-year-old aunt in the rest home sitting with a, a lady next to her who was 100 years old, and they were laughing and chattering away together, and they said, oh, we don't feel old. Our bodies won't do what we want to, but we don't feel old. And I'm sitting there looking at them with their walking frames and everything and thinking, hmm. And then it was like the Holy Spirit just dropped that thought in my head. The reason they don't feel old is because their soul will last for eternity. And my grandson recently said to me, in the other bedroom, I was cleaning the bathroom, and he was in the bedroom, and he called out to me, Nanny, Nanny, I want to live for infinity. <laughs> Nanny, can I live for infinity? God has placed eternity in our hearts. Now, God answered the many prayers sent up throughout the Commonwealth on that day of prayer. And through several changes in the German tactics and weather changes that prevented the Germans easily bombing the men on the beaches and the weather allowing small boats to cross the channel, the miracle of Dunkirk began to unfold. But just prayer wasn't enough. To save those men, God needed people to go. Otherwise, those young men would have remained on the beaches. And as people responded to the call for help, as they did what was needed, the miracle happened. Even Churchill called it the miracle of Dunkirk. 
more than 330,000 Allied troops were rescued over eight days because 800 boats went across the channel to their rescue. Men risked their lives to rescue the, the trapped men. They sailed their pleasure boats, their fishing boats, any suitable boat to get across the channel. Even if it was only to pick up one or two men, it was worth it. They went into enemy territory. There were mines all through that water. They went in there knowing that they might be killed, but they wanted to save those men. They also faced the enemy planes that were around, could have picked them off. The eternal destiny of souls motivates us to action. We can't carry the burden of every soul around us. We were never made to do that. That's God's. God is able to carry the burden of every soul. He only asks us to do those good works he's called us to do. Our bait. Our boat may only rescue several people, but even one life is worth it. And Jesus was human like us. He was confronted daily with many needs around him. But he didn't allow the needs around him to dictate what he did with his life. He only did what the Father wanted. The reason being that Father, Father God has the master plan. He's strategic, he has the strategies, and he knows where he wants us, what he wants us doing. We can't do everything. We can't help everyone. We, it's impossible, but he has a plan for each one of us to walk in, and we will touch those lives that he's predestined for us to walk in and help if we walk in that plan. You see, salvation is, his, is God's plan. And he wants everyone to be saved, and he's working in every single life on this earth. Jesus encourages us to come and learn from him, to follow his example, to find God's plan. Jesus would always sit, he always went away alone, and he found the Father's plan for the day. He knew what God wanted for that day, where he wanted him, what he wanted him doing. He sat he heard the Father's heart, listened, and then did it, what the Father had. We need to ask Jesus, what do you want me doing? What am I meant to be doing, Lord? We can all pray, we can all fast, but what is that thing we're meant to be doing out in the community, in our family, how, the how-to? His, own, he only, his, his yoke is easy, his burden's light. What he asks you to can do, you can do it. It's possible. He does the impossible. So we are, we, we are each called to be on the front line, to go into the enemy's territory to help others. It may be to take the kingdom of God into our workplace, as Pastor Tark has been teaching us last week. We may be asked to go out in the marketplace to reach people and help them come into God's kingdom. And this can take time by showing God's love to them. Not throwing stones at them. I just think um, in the prayer meeting lately, we keep getting this picture of um, Jesus, the people gathering around with their stones to throw at the adulterous woman. And Jesus was smoothing the sand 
and he, was going to, he wrote in it. He didn't write anything to the woman. He must have written it to the people with the stones who were ready to say, you know, you shouldn't do that, and you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't, you know, you deserve to die because you've broken the law. What he wrote in that sand made everyone who had a stone in their hands turn around and go away and leave the woman with Jesus. We aren't called to throw stones at people. We are called to show God's love to them and care about them and show them that God cares through us. We may be involved in helping those who have been rescued. I look at the pictures of the men, and if you've seen the movie Dunkirk and some of those, the people that were rescued as they came from the shores where they were um, under the enemy's territory, and then they came across to back to England, and they were walking off the ships. And if you look at their faces, they were shell-shocked, they were wounded, they were... This was only the beginning. They had so much healing that needed to take place in their lives after what they'd been through. And to me, it's no different when someone comes into the kingdom of God. They come, they find Jesus, they believe that God loves them, and now there's a lot of healing, a lot of help, a lot of um, ministry that's needed. And we are called to do that as well. Not just go out and get them, but once they come to the safe place, the safe shores, then to help them grow and help them find God's love every day. <clears throat> They've come, the people that come into the kingdom of God, they've come from the enemy's camp. We all have. Come from the enemy's camp. We've been under his condemnation. We've been continually harassed by his demeaning, bullying tactics. Because his aim is to rob and steal our lives from us. And then ultimately destroy us and take us with him to an eternity with no peace, with no presence of God. And I think, too, that some of us are called to, well, we are, we're all called to, well, those that come to the safe place of God's kingdom, they went, they, God needs people to encourage them in their faith, that's us, to encourage them in their faith, to encourage them to live in God's love, to help them adjust to the reality that now they're safe. Imagine those men coming from the shores and then coming back, um, but they get flashbacks, they have nightmares. And um, we, uh, as people come to the Lord, they still get the flashbacks, they still get the temptations of the enemy to go back into those dark places. And we need to be there supporting each other, encouraging each other, helping each other to um, stay strong and to believe in God's love and live in it every day. How are you going? <laughs> very quiet this morning. It is a challenging subject, but it's not impossible. We can do the possible. God does the impossible. But it's good for us to be challenged at times. And we can do, some of us may be called to go to missions as missionaries to other countries or short-term missions trips. But most of us are called by God in the body to support our missionaries to be on the sidelines and minister to their needs. We're the senders. In Romans 10 verse 13 it says, 
Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on the one who they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard of? And how can they hear without someone telling them or preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And that's not just in the overseas, but it's in our workplaces, it's everywhere. And we're probably involved in lots of these areas. But just a practical um, one, again, as Colleen said this morning, the hospitality team. You think, how can I be involved? I can do that. I can do that. We've also got a light party coming up on the 28th of October. Last year we had, I can't remember how many, over 100 children come in this room. We're set up on a Sunday afternoon. We'll be doing it again on Sunday, the October the 28th in the afternoon. We'll be setting it up with games and crafts. And we need volunteers. If you can do it, come and help help us set up or um, be here with the crafts and help with the children and the food. And your name can go on. We've got a list at the um, desk there. Just put your name there. You think, can I do that? Yes, I can do that. Put your name down. Help us. We get expecting at least 150 children. The children, now they came last year and really enjoyed it, we're encouraging them to bring their friends this year. So the numbers could double. So we need all the volunteers we can get. The list out there. In Ephesians 2.10, it's a verse probably a lot of us know well. It says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Whose workmanship? His. His. We just have to find out what it is and walk in it. I want you to say to your neighbour, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Yes, God's the chess player and we're just the pieces. We're just the pieces. He's got the strategies. He's the one that knows, sees everything from the big picture. We only see a little bit. How does God reveal his good works to us? Through his word, he reveals his heart to us. He responds to our prayers when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives. He puts desires in our hearts. I remember five years ago, I had a desire to do chaplaincy training. Such a practical tools for out in the community. If you want something to do that would help you out in the community to be able to, in your workplace, anywhere, that chaplaincy course was actually amazing. It's given me tools I, I wouldn't go where I go now without having done it. So he put a desire in my heart to do it. And I finished it. Speaks directly and specifically to us through dreams and visions. God wants us to know what he wants us to do. But sometimes we need to ask him. I remember um, early last year, even though I'm really, really busy, and in my natural mind I wouldn't have done it, I wouldn't have said, God, is there anything else you want me to do? But I did pray it. I did pray it. I was in my prayer time and I felt I should ask God, is there anything else you want me to do that I'm not doing? And I had my eyes closed and he started to give me like a movie, a picture. 
in my, in my mind. And he said to me, yes, come with me up to the enemy's camp. And straight away inside my heart pulled back. I could feel it pull back. And he said to me, it's okay, it's okay, I'm going to be with you. And it's like I relaxed inside. And off we went. And you go up to the enemy's camp and there's like the trenches. And it was like I had to look over the top of the trenches. So I got to the edge of the trench and I looked over. And he was right next to me looking over. And all I saw was Wangarei Primary Gate. There's a gate at the Wangarei Primary School just down the road there that's in an arch. And it says Wangarei Primary School. And that's all I saw. And then the Lord said to me, come on, let's go back and let's strategize. So we went back together and I thought, okay, he's got something for me to do at Wangarei Primary. I don't know what it is, but... So over the next few months, I just asked him, what is it? What are you showing me that for? And over those months, he showed me he wanted me to apply to the school to be a volunteer chaplain. And I did. And it was August this year, I started as a volunteer chaplain in Wangarei Primary School. And I think, yeah, go God. If I hadn't asked that question, if I'd shut him out because I thought I was too busy, I wouldn't be there. Those children that I work with each week who have anxiety problems, I wouldn't be able to work, I wouldn't be working with them, I wouldn't be there to help them. We need to ask him, what is it you want me to do? And be open to hear what he wants to say. You see, God wants us to open his hearts. I've got um, one of my favourite psalms, is Psalm 24, verse 7 to 10. See, Jesus is mighty to save us, but also others through us and help others. In Psalm 24, verse 7 to 10, it says, Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And you think, for me, that means... Open my heart to him. Simple as that. It means, you know, let him in, let him in. It's so easy to get into your routine and get so busy and like ancient doors and the gates. He's closed. He, can't, he, he might want to share something that we aren't ready to receive unless we open the door, unless we ask. And it says, who is the king of glory? He's the Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. And I see that as I teach these children. They, I'm not, I don't talk about God with them, but I teach them God's principles. I teach them at the, in the chaplaincy, I teach them strategies to defeat the enemy, but they don't know it's the enemy. I teach them his ways in, a, in words that, without religious words, without you know, Christianese, so to speak, but I'm giving them tools to fight the enemy. I'm giving them tools to have a life that's going to work for them. These kids are, uh, are controlled by anxiety and struggles and problems, and they're opening up. They feel it's a safe place. And because I let the King of Glory come in, and he's the one that's got a heart for these kids. He's, got a, he's the one that's got a heart for our people in the community. And he can put his heart in your heart for what he's got you to do. Open your heart. Lift up your heads, O you gates. We've got to do that. That's our job. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. 
Who is the king of glory? He's the Lord Almighty. He's the king of glory. And when you go and do what he wants to do, I am, as Tark would say, Pastor Tark would say, leave me astounded. Yeah, I, I sit in those times with these kids and I just sit there and I think, God, look what you're doing. And I'm just sitting here and they're opening up and tears running down their faces. He knew they had this pain. He knew that they needed someone to talk to. He knew, I didn't, but he did. And he knows who you, he wants you to be, whose life he wants you to be in helping. He is able to make us fishers of men as we follow him in the prompting and leading of his Holy Spirit. His footprints that he leads you in will always fit you. They fit who he's made you to be, all the things in your life you've been through. He doesn't waste them. He uses them. He uses, and you'll, you'll just, it'll fit you perfectly. What is he wanting us to do? We need to allow God to break through mindsets that can often hinder us fulfilling his plan. For me, it was busyness that would have limited him, but it can also be our mindsets that limit him. For an example, the disciples, when Jesus wanted to meet the needs of 5,000 people, who were hungry, he asked the disciples to do it. Now, if he'd come up to you and said, I want you to feed 5,000 people dinner tomorrow night, what are you going to say to him? <laughs> well, you're pro- some of you, I think I'd be like the disciples, said, ah, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough food and, and then they'd only have one bite each. Straight away, their mindsets were shutting God, the, the miracle God wanted to do out. But Jesus asked them that to test them, to, and then he taught them through what, he, um, what happened. So be careful not to dismiss God through your reasoning. We can open our minds by remembering to ask him what to do. You see, the disciples could have said, well, Lord, what do you think we could do? He was the miracle maker. They'd seen him doing miracles. They could have asked him, but no, they thought, oh, we can't do that. We haven't got enough money. We haven't got enough food. No, God, if you're asking me to do it, I'm going to ask you how to do it. How do I do it? He's the miracle worker, not us. Jesus already knew that the father, what he wanted to do. As the young boy gave his lunch to help, the disciples followed Jesus' instructions and the miracle unfolded. It was as simple as that. It was a lunch and obedient people. That's all God asked for. He did the rest. He was the miracle worker. The, the enemy wants us defeated before we even start. He wants us to look at the needs in our community and think, it's too big, I can't do anything. But God wants us to look at him and ask, how? How can we do it? He has a plan. 
He cares about every single person in our community, in our city, in our nation, in the nations. We need to ask him, what do you want me to do? God's promise to us is that as we live in Christ, we will have abundant life. And we're able to do more than we, through us, he's able to do more than we could even imagine through his power that works in us. So I want you just to turn to your neighbor again and this time say, I am able to do way more than I think through his power working in me. You only need to have the loaves and the fishes. That's all he's asking of you and your obedience. Jesus is calling us to prayer and action. Prayer would not have got those men off the beaches. But prayer was needed to get their circumstances right so that the boats could go across to save the men. So you can't do one without the other. You need both. We need the prayer for God to move miraculously. And we also need action so he can carry out his plan of how to, how he's going to do it. Jesus cried out that the temple would be a house of prayer for all nations. And our lives are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's challenging, isn't it? to make it a place of prayer. And he also said, all authority on heaven and earth is given in my name. And as we pray in his name, the prayers that he puts on our hearts, he is and he has the power and he will fulfill what he wants to do through our prayers. Jesus is asking us to be living sacrifices. I think of the Old Testament when they put a sacrifice on the altar. Time and time again, when God accepted that sacrifice, what came down? The fire came down. It's the fire of God that we need. I was praying in here yesterday and I was crying out, God, it's, the, it's your fire I need to get rid of those things in my life that clutter me up, that stop me doing and being what you want me to be. It's the fire that burns up those things and makes us sharp so that we can do the things he needs us to do. Let us be like the lepers outside the city walls of Samaria. The city was surrounded by enemy army, and all the people were starving inside the city walls. And in 2 Kings 7, we see what happened in the story there. Now, there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate, and they said to one another, Oh, why stay here until we die? If we stay, we'll go into the city, and the famine's there. And we'll die. And if we stay here, we'll die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans. Arameans? Anyway, uh uh-uh. And surrender. (laughs) If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, we die. I love that. I love the attitude. And I think, Lord, as Christians, our lives are safe for eternity. What does it matter if we die? Really? 
those men who went out in the boats to save the others. They laid down their lives. Jesus is calling us and he promises in Mark 8 verse 35, whoever wants to save his life will actually lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will find it, will save it. So at dusk, the lepers, they got up and they went to the camp of the Ahas. <laughs> when they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there, for the Lord had caused the Ahas to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. When we walk, that's when we do what the good works God's called us to do, when we actually walk on them, the enemy starts to run. He will try and stop you doing it. But when you walk in it, all of heaven is behind you. And the sound of your footsteps, and it might be only one or two or three of you, the enemy starts to flee. He, he knows that his time's up, that the kingdom of God is coming as you go into your workplace with the Holy Spirit in you. You are bringing a change in the atmosphere. And he doesn't like it, and he moves. So be full of the Spirit. Anyway, I better finish this story. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents and ate and drank. Then they took silver, gold and clothes and went off and hid hid those things. Then they said to one another, what are we doing? It's not right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. These insignificant lepers brought deliverance to the people of Israel as they partnered with God's plan. God's got a plan for every single person in this room, for us, for you to walk in. And as you partner with him, look out, enemy. Here you come with God. And he is the miracle worker. He is the miracle worker. Their action released God's miracle. And as we walk in what God's got for us, as we ask him what it is and do it, we release the miracle power of God. And we should be expecting to see the miracle power of God in our situations. If the musicians could come, that would be great. Thank you. God is not asking us to do the impossible. That's his job. And you've got to watch it. The enemy tries to get us to give up before we even start because he'll say to us, it's too hard. You can't do it. You've got to think, no, what's God saying? And I'm going to do it. If God says it, I'm going to do it. And set your face like flint and go for it. God's only asking for our loaves and our fishes. Just asking for us. Our abilities, who we are, our time, our resources, our finances. Whatever he's asking you for, that's all he wants in your obedience. God needs us to pray and fast and he needs us to be involved. He has the plan, the strategies to see people rescued from the enemy's camp. And he needs us to seek him for his plan and for and just do it. 
If you could all stand, that would be great. Jesus' challenge to us is, whoever loses their lives for me in the gospel will save it. It's there, it's in that place of giving our lives to Him and doing what He wants, that's where abundant life is in Christ. I mean, the joy that I see when I see these children that responding to, you know, being helped and opening up, that's abundant life. And it says we give our lives to Him doing what He wants us to do. That is where we encounter the fire of God too, to keep us sharp, to keep us on track with what He's got for us to do. And we're not to compare ourselves with each other. We are only to be doing what He has asked us to do and wants us to do. I'm actually going to ask Pastor Pam and Phoebe's to come up with me. Yep, yep. At the, yep. At the Thursday night prayer meeting, Pam prayed exactly what I was going to preach to. You can stay there if you like. And Vivi's this morning prayed exactly what was on God's heart for this service. So I'm going to ask them to pray a prayer for us this morning over us all for help to be able to do what God's called us to do. Pam, would you like to? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lauren. Father, I think you're the inspirational God. You're the motivator. You're the one who enables. You're the one who equips. And God, I thank you that you're willing to show us your heart. You're willing to share with us everything that you have to give us to do, what you've already placed in our hands to do. And Father, I just pray now for every person in this place that there would be a stirring in our bellies. God, you'd put a fire in our bellies and you'd open our eyes to see what's possible. You'd put a desire and a passion in our hearts, Lord God, where we would be compelled by you, by your presence, by your spirit, by your word, by your knowledge, your ability, your power, your presence, Lord God, to be able to go forth into the places you'd have us to go, to our neighbours, to our families, to our neighbourhoods, to our workplaces, to the marketplace, Lord, wherever. Take whatever we've got and show us, Lord, how you can take it and change it from something that seems insignificant, Lord God, into something that changes lives, draws people to Christ Jesus, draws people into the kingdom of God, souls saved, people delivered out of trauma, out of abuse, people delivered out of homelessness, people set free from bondages that hold them, simply because we hear and we see and we obey. Give us hearts that are soft and surrendered, that we would be able to obey and to go and do and be whatever you want us to be, knowing that of us, we can't do it alone, but with you, nothing is too difficult and all things are possible. Thank you, my God. Father, we truly thank you that you have, Father God, gifted us, Lord God, according to the calling that you would want us to do. Father God, help us, Father God, to be sensitive, Father God, to whatever it is, Father God, you would want us to do, first of all, in our family, in our community, Lord God. 
Father God, I truly thank you, Lord God, that you will be able to use each one of us, Lord God, powerfully, Lord God, because truly, Father God, it is you who would want every single person to hear your word and be saved, Lord God. You said in your words, Father God, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So help us, Father God, to know you more and more. Help us, Father God, to truly, Father God, soak in your presence, to be fed of you by your life-giving words, Lord God, so that, Father God, we truly will be able to be your powerful mouthpiece, Lord God, in speaking forth your words, in speaking forth your your your, uh, your wisdom, your your knowledge, your wisdom unto others, oh Lord God. Father God, I truly thank you that you would want to use us, Lord God, not according to our strength, not according to our ability, but according to the ability, according to the strength that you have that you have given unto us, Lord God. Father God, even right now, Lord God, we truly thank you for the multiplication of souls that will be brought into your kingdom as we obey you to do whatever it is that you have anointed us and called us to do. We bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name.